there. Good afternoon, everyone. Really, it's great to see you all. Uh, our students, for the most part, are away for their uh, month-long break. It's interesting. Our students in university in the UK get a month, and when they're freshers, they take the month. And then when they're in their second year, they take about half of it. And then I think when they're third year, they don't go anywhere, and they just study. So uh, there is something happening in the in the school system. It's good. We also have. A, I just wanted to introduced a, an, another visitor that's with us. John from the Glasgow Church is here. John, you want to stand up? Okay. And this is Marie Jarvis's cousin, and he was just baptized last autumn, and he's got with him his father, which would be Marie Jarvis's uncle. Good to have you with us here today, too. Let's be opening up our Bibles to uh, John chapter 8. I'm going to try something a little bit different today. I'm going to tax our, uh, our uh, sound uh, engineer over there and video engineer. Uh, you're under pressure, my friend. Okay. But rather than me read the long text as we go through John chapter 8, we're actually going to use some video clips of a really great dramatization of the Gospel of John. So it'll spare my voice a little, and I think you'll even find it a little more, uh, a little more active than mine, you know, with visual effects, etc. But you know, it's interesting as we go through the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is a proclamation of who Jesus is. And it's famous for a number of themes that run through it. And statements like, I am the bread of life. Uh, he He says in this chapter, I am the light of the world. And he'll go on to make other declarations throughout the gospel. I am the vine. Good news is, you are the branches, so there's a connection there. Um, you know, he, he's, he's giving us all these great examples. I am the good shepherd, I am the gate. But what's also interesting in the Gospel of John is that it was written in some ways to defend the fact that a lot of the Jewish people of the late first century had not become followers of Jesus. And that really plays into, the, you could say, the psyche of those sharing their faith. Because you've got a group of people saying, He wasn't the one that the Scriptures said He was. You have a group of people saying, This isn't the Messiah. This isn't the promised one. And so the Gospel of John gives us another little window into the ministry of Jesus. And it actually shows us the struggle that Jesus had with the religious leaders of His day as they refused to accept just the simple truth. That He was the Son of God. That He'd come in the flesh and that He was offering His life as the salvation for all men. So in John chapter 7, we, we began to read about the opposition that Jesus faced. And just in little review, it, it began in John 7 with His own brothers. His own brothers were, were sort of uh, ridiculing Him and saying, you know, if you want to be great, you're not going about it the right way. They were giving him advice. Not that they'd ever been great, but you know they had their own opinion about how Jesus should do it. And so it's kind of sad because here's Jesus, the perfect Son of God, and His own brothers were not supporting Him. We read in Mark chapter 3 that even at one point His mother and His brothers were outside of a house waiting for Him because they were saying He's out of His mind. So I know this is a little encouraging because sometimes our families don't understand what we're doing in trying to be Christians. But it's interesting that that John describes this so thoroughly. 
Also, Jesus says that the world hated him because of his message. And that's what he said back to his brothers. Well, you can do whatever you want to, but the world hates me because of what I'm saying. Now, there's also those that love Jesus because of what he's saying, but those are those that answer the call and come out of the world and become one with him. But then the last part of John 7, both the Jewish leaders and the crowd are sort of battling back and forth. Is this the Messiah? Maybe not. Well, maybe he is, and they're kind of wrestling with it. But there was a few people in the crowd saying, how could this not be the Messiah? Look at what he's doing. And so we, we realize something by the end of John 7. Even reading the gospel, well, actually, back it up one, even seeing Jesus face to face didn't take away our choice to believe in him. Just seeing Jesus, even being healed by him, didn't mean you were guaranteed faith for the rest of your life. You had to make a decision to follow him because what he was asking was challenging. John 6 ended with this. Many disciples turned away from following Him because it was a hard teaching. Now hopefully, we're here today happy about the challenges of being a Christian because the rewards are so much greater than the challenges. What God has promised is so amazing compared to just the little it is to give up my life to God. God has done so much for us. So let's just begin here in John uh, chapter 8. We'll, we'll watch a clip, verses 12 to 20. This may take a little finessing. The PowerPoint wouldn't work for some reason, so we have to do it manually. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees again. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life and will never walk in darkness. Now you are testifying on your own behalf. What you say proves nothing. No. Even though I do testify on my own behalf, what I say is true. Because I know where I came from and where I'm going. You do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You make judgments in a purely human way. I pass judgment on no one. But if I were to do so, my judgment would be true. Because I am not alone in this. The Father who sent me is with me. It is written in your law that when two witnesses agree, what they say is true. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me also testifies on my behalf. Where is your Father? You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus said all this as he taught in the temple, in the room where the offering boxes were placed. And no one arrested him, because his hour had not come. I will go. I will go away. You will look for me. Yeah, not the next one. Thanks. Great. Uh, we'll work through these technical side of things as we go. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus hears... He's, he's, he's actually in the temple and he's talking to the Jewish leaders. And as you can see, it's not all rosy and friendly. There's kind of a tension happening here. Because what Jesus was, was trying to get people to understand, uh, we have a, a large crowd of kids here.
Do we need some parents? Okay, sorry. There's <laughs> Literally, 12 children are standing at the door. So I... <laughs> okay, very good. I can see that this sermon's just going to chop along. That's okay. You know, we can see that what's going on here in the life of Jesus. There really are some, some challenges. But it's interesting as well, because Jesus begins this by saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light. I'm going to show you the truth. You know, another, if you go back to the first chapter of John, two things were said. First John the Apostle, just in the first 18 verses, he says, Jesus is the light. He says it about seven times. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light of the world. For this reason He came. It's repeated over and over. But then we have the testimony of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, He is the Lamb. He is the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And see, what we have here is... Jesus, full of truth and grace. Jesus is the light. He shows us what's really going on in our lives. But He's also the Lamb. He's the sacrifice for us. And these two themes are interwoven through the whole Gospel of John. That there is something that we cannot do for ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. And Jesus came so that we could have that forgiveness. He is the light. And He invites us to come into His light. Jesus talks here, He says that there's two witnesses. must have been pretty lonely sometimes to be Jesus. Though I do trust, in fact, that He felt His Father's presence deeply. But you know, they saw Him standing there alone, proclaiming something alone. And they said, your testimony isn't valid because you're just one person. But Jesus said, don't you realize... That two people are speaking? Over in John 14, 11, Jesus says, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. See, if you were to meet Jesus face to face, you would actually understand He was just a man. He, 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 he didn't wear a blue suit and have a big S. And, uh, you know, he, it wasn't a superhero. He was just a man. In fact, we see from the Scriptures that in many ways, just an ordinary man to behold. And so Jesus said, you can see me, you hear my testimony, but look at what I do and look at what I say. My words are God's words. My actions are God's actions. These miracles are coming from God. Let's just look a little further. We'll jump to the next clip. I will go away. You will look for me. But you will die in your sins. You cannot go where I am going. He says that we cannot go where he is going. Does this mean that he will kill himself? You belong to this world here below. But I come from above. You are from this world, but I am not from this world. That is why I told you that you will die in your sins. And you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am who I am. Who are you? What I have told you from the very beginning. 
about you. Much to condemn you for. The one who sent me, however, is truthful. And I tell the world only what I have heard from him. They did not understand that Jesus was talking to them about the Father. When you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am who I am. Then you will know that I do nothing on my own authority. But I say only what the Father has instructed me to say. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Because I always do what pleases him. Many who heard Jesus say these things believed in him. Okay, thank you. And thanks to Roy, who's back there in the shadows, running the light switches. Now, once more, Jesus said, you're going to look for me and not find me. I'm going to a place you can't come. And back in chapter 7, they reacted to that. They're like, where are you going to go? Are you going to go do some mission work out in the Greek areas where the, uh, the Jews are spread out in the empire? But Jesus here said, this time you'll look for me and you will die in your sin. And you know, you see this really terrible reaction of this one Pharisee. This guy goes, are you going to commit suicide? But from something in the tone of Jesus, he understood there was death separating us. And actually, as Jesus would talk to his disciples and say, I will be for a short time separated from you, he was talking about his death. But that short separation isn't as important as understanding that our sins separate us from God. And Jesus said to them, if you die in your sins, if you you don't know who I am, if you don't believe who I am, then you'll die separate from me in your sins. I want us to read together Isaiah 52, verse 13. Isaiah 52. Cam, you want to shut down the videos and then reopen them because they're, they're out of sync audio-wise. Thanks. Okay, let's, uh, we'll look at this in Isaiah 52, verse 13. Remember, this whole time that Jesus has been saying through the Gospel of John, Moses wrote about me. And they were accepting that he was possibly the Messiah, maybe even a king. But what's interesting is they weren't accepting that he was the Lamb. And what we have in Isaiah 52 is a a description of a person who is actually being compared to a Lamb that's offered in sacrifice. And I want us to think about this. This is how Jesus saw himself. This is what he was fulfilling in his earthly life here. So pick this up in Isaiah 52 verse 13. He said, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just that there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand." Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. 
Like one whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities." Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. You know, this is an amazing passage because it's a prophecy about a servant that was going to come. And this servant was a man... But there was something amazing about this man. This man would offer himself as a sacrifice for our sin. And of course, it's speaking about Jesus. That He would be the Lamb that would bear the burden of our sin. And so Jesus was speaking to the Jews and He's saying, If you don't believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sin. And then He says this, When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be. See, in the moment of crucifying Jesus, people would begin to realize what they had done. That all along Jesus had said, I am the sacrifice for your sins. All along He had preached that He was the Lamb of God. And who would ever think about killing a person? about murdering someone, about offering a human being as a sacrifice. But in the end, that's exactly what was done to Jesus. But they killed Him even thinking they were doing God's will. They killed Him thinking God had despised Him and rejected Him. But the truth is, God had done none of that. God had been faithful. Jesus had been faithful. And it was us... Who lifted him up? Jesus was simply stating the truth. They were the ones that would crucify him. Let's look at the next clip. Obey my teaching, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are the descendants of Abraham, and we have never been anybody's slaves. What do you mean then by saying you will be free? I am telling you the truth. 
Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave does not belong to a family permanently, but a son belongs there forever. If the son sets you free, then you will be really free. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are trying to kill me because you will not accept my teaching. I talk about what my father has shown me. But you do what your father has told you. My father is Abraham. He's Abraham. If you really were Abraham's children, you would do the same things that he did. All I have ever done is to tell you the truth I heard from God, yet you are trying to kill me. Abraham did nothing like this. You were doing what your father did. God himself is the only father we have, and we are his true children. If God really were your father, you would love me, because I came from God, and now I am here. I did not come on my own authority, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to listen to my message. You are the children of your father, the devil. And you want to follow your father's desires. From the very beginning, he was a murderer. And has never been on the side of truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he is only doing what is natural to him. Because he is a liar and the father of all lies. But I tell the truth. And that is why you do not believe me. One of you can prove that I am guilty of sin. If I tell the truth, then why do you not believe me? He who comes from God listens to God's words. You, however, are not from God. And that is why you will not. Were we not right in saying that? Okay. Great. Light, please. You know, there's an interesting principle. If we claim to be God's children, how do we live? If we claim to be Christians, how do we live? This little passage began, To the Jews who believed in Him, Jesus said, If you hold to My teaching, you are really My disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they went on to say, You know, we haven't been slaves to anyone. We're Abraham's children. Now, isn't that crazy? If you're Abraham's children, that means the Old Testament basically is telling the story of your history. And the second book of the, of the Old Testament is Exodus. It's the departure out of Egypt where Israel had been slaves for 400 years. We've never been slaves to anybody. Well, then you go a little bit further in their history, and Israel was taken away into captivity into Babylonia, then set free. We've never been slaves. And now, even when this person's saying, we've never been slaves, the Romans are in charge of Judea. See, what, what, what John is showing, any reader here, is that the Jews were arrogant in their approach to Jesus. And they were so prideful about who they were, they couldn't really accept the truth of what he was saying. Jesus agreed. They were Abraham's descendants. But his point was, you don't show it. You aren't showing by your lives that that is true. And there, this, it gets very interesting. They get very indignant. Well, that's not good enough for you, Jesus. Let me tell you who's really our father. 
And listen to these words. The only Father we have is God Himself. You know what's interesting about that sentence? In John 10.36, because Jesus said that, they said He blasphemed and they put Him to death. I mean, the Jews are saying the very same thing Jesus is saying. We are God's children. But Jesus is saying, I've come from Him. And interestingly, even when they stood before Pilate, the Jews said, because He claimed to be God's Son, our law demands He be put to death. And yet they themselves make the same claim. But see, Jesus had another principle. It's not who you say you are. It's what you do. It's who you are. It's how you live. And so people believed in Jesus, but He said, if you really believe, He goes, if you've really believed, if you hold to My teaching, you are really My disciples, then you will know the truth. You know, there's a truth we can know outside of us, but then there's a truth we know inside. When following Jesus teaches us and conforms us to Him, Jesus saves us so that we can walk with Him and follow Him. And let's just look at the last clip. You are a Samaritan and have a demon in you. I have no demon. I honor my father, but you dishonor me. I am not seeking honor for myself, but there is one who is seeking it and who judges in my favor. I am telling you the truth. Whoever obeys my teaching will never die. Now we know for sure that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets died. Yet you say that whoever obeys your teaching will never die. Our father Abraham died. You do not claim to be greater than Abraham, do you? And the prophets also died. Who do you think you are? If I were to honor myself, that honor would be worth nothing. The one who honors me is my father, the very one you say is your God. You have never known him, but I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a lie like you, but I do know him, and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he was to see the time of my coming. He saw it and was glad. You are not even 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham. Before Abraham was born, I am. Then they picked up stones to throw at him. Jesus hid himself and left the temple.
You know, back in the second clip we watched, the Jews had said to Jesus, Who are you? And His answer was, I am who I claim to be. And then He went for another 30 verses of dialogue with them. And then it comes back again, the question, Who are you? And they also asked Him, Are you greater than Abraham? And it's, it's interesting just to see what Jesus said. He said, My Father whom you claim is your God, He is the one who glorifies Me. And then He spoke in such a way to say, I know Abraham. I've seen Abraham. And they, were, they said, Who are you? So Jesus answered their question, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. And see, for the Jewish people, I am is the name of God. I am is Jehovah. And so Jesus is saying, you know, before Abraham, I am. And they picked up rocks to stone him because he said he was God. You know, we have an amazing picture here. It's an intense picture. But it's also a picture of hope. Jesus came to save. He came to call us to himself. But we've got to embrace His message. We need to embrace Him as the light and as the Lamb. And as the light, He shows us the truth. The absolute truth about everything in our lives. It's kind of a scary thought, right? Everything. He knows everything about us. But there's a beautiful thought too, because having known everything, He still loves us. Having known everything, He wants a relationship with us. And so through the sacrifice of Himself, we can be saved. But the sad message here is that men lifted up Jesus to kill Him because they wouldn't accept His message. You know, there is only one way to be saved, and that is to have a relationship with Jesus. And He is the light He is the only way. He is the truth. And so I encourage you, seek Jesus today. Look for Him. Read the Scriptures. Sit down with others who also believe in Jesus. Listen to their testimony. You know, we live in a world that testifies that Jesus isn't true. That the Bible's not true. That that message isn't true. But you must decide for yourself. Who is Jesus? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, before Abraham, I am. Jesus was God in the flesh. Because God's forgiveness for us is a sacrifice. Only He can make it. Only He can wipe away our sin. Only He can remove our guilt. Let's, let's, let's think about it this week as we go. Many here have made their decision to be disciples. Let's hold to His teaching. And we will know the truth more and more as we live and walk with Jesus. I'm going to, we're going to pray at this time and the worship team will take their spots. Our Father and Mighty God, we thank You so much that we could gather today and sing praises to You. And Father, we pray you be with those of our number who are traveling and not with us today, maybe those that are ill as well. Father, we just pray that you'll strengthen them wherever they are.
Father, we're grateful for the way that you have worked in our lives. And thank you for the various ways that you've brought each person here today. Father, I pray that we can see that there's no other sacrifice for our sins than Jesus. That we can really remember that as we go through our week. Father, I pray for each one of us to draw strength from the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your Spirit who lives among us. And I pray, Father, that 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 Spirit can energize us and motivate us. Father, thank you for the truth and grace that come through Jesus. And I pray that we can accept them both wholeheartedly with everything we have. Father, I thank you and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.